co-host Adrian Guest, along with my co-host Devin Dito. And it's weekly roundup number two, July 2nd of 2022. We're back at it, season five going strong already. And we're here to deliver the news to you our second time for season five. So as always, listeners, we got plenty of stuff to cover. If you are someone that's brand new to our podcast, Weekly Roundup is just a way for us to give you some highlights. If you're someone familiar to our podcast, we actually have a different format for you this season. So we like to keep things fresh and new for you. So make sure you sit back and listen well. But definitely, let's go ahead and get started with our first segment here with our first story where we're talking about a billion dollars to help connect black areas and how Governor DeSantis is saying this is wokeification. You know, that's not even a word, but, you know, Ron (laughs) DeSantis, he's a terrible person, so he can come up with terrible words as well. But we got uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on Thursday, launching a $1 billion first-of-its-kind pilot program aimed at helping reconnect cities and neighborhoods racially segregated or divided by road projects, pledging wide-ranging helps to dozens of communities despite the program's limited dollars. Buttigieg drew fire from some Republicans earlier this year when he said that federal government had an obligation to address the harms of racist design in highways. This is a quote from DeSantis. There's trees they're putting in. They're saying that highways are racially discriminatory. I don't know how a road can do that. Um, And of course, like I said, he's saying that this is just a woke policy. You know, listeners, if you've been keeping up with the Black Agenda podcast, you know, we've talked a lot about how transportation can. We even had an episode about, you know, transportation, racism and how um, that works. And we had someone, uh, I think it was from American... I can't remember. We've had too many guests, but I mean, they talked in, you know vastly about how different projects, like the how, like the highway uh, project, was very prejudicial. We we've talked about how communities of color, like in Florida, were displaced, you know, very recently by a, a highway. So it's not, you know, and it's funny that this, you know, Florida DeSantis, you know, he's governor there, but definitely, it's it's. I still don't understand why people are trying to feud with this whole idea that our history was flawed. Our history was racially flawed. And the policies that we're seeing now are just restorative justice. It's not like we're asking for extra or asking for handouts. We're just asking to be restored to what we were before all of these projects. Right. I mean, that's, that's the goal uh, with it all. And you know what, Ron DeSantis said is is typical. It's it's the same attitude when we talk about restoring, you know, things that happen as far as economic racism and discriminate, you know, discrimination in housing and when we talk about tax policy, um everybody laughs it off as like, "Oh, well, how can taxes be racist or in this case, how can trees literally be racist and how can a concrete, you know, Bridges be racist. Like, how is that possible? It's an inanimate object. Like, and they they on they are they're doing that on purpose because it's it's a deflection from the real conversation of what went into the designing of these highways and who decided we're just gonna run a bridge through a black neighborhood and not the white neighborhood. Like, how does that keep happening over and over and over? And nobody raises an issue about it. And it's just like, oh well, because the bridges and the roads aren't living breathing things there's no way they can be racist but the people who designed it the people who decided and forced these bridges and things between you know down through our neighborhoods were racist 
or at the very least discriminating against the poor black people in those neighborhoods who could not fight it off, who couldn't say, well, we don't want these roads running right through our neighborhoods. And so it, it just, I, was, <laughs> I don't know. Cut you off. I was just going to say, I know, you know, Ron DeSantis doesn't believe in this, but you know, what you're talking about is, is what critical race theory talks about is how that is correct. policies yeah. can be indirectly you know, racist and indirectly discriminatory, how we have to make sure when we have policies, uh, the actual things that we do and the things that happen as an after effect, both of those situations can't be racist. Um, and that's what we're talking about here. I, like I said, I know Ron DeSantis doesn't like critical race theory, so he doesn't understand how transportation can be racist directly or indirectly. But that's what we're talking about here, listeners. Exactly. And, and it's not just the design of the infrastructure. It's also chronic disinvestment in black neighborhoods like that on its face may not seem racist, but. When you have a you know a large city that chronically dis, does not invest in black neighborhoods as far as infrastructure, that's roads, pipes, sewage, water lines, and things like that, that's how you get what happened in Flint, Michigan. Like these things have real world consequences when you just ignore an entire group of people within a city and you just do whatever you want to them. And then as we are trying to you know, really come to terms with the damage that was done to a lot of black neighborhoods. As we're doing that work, we're seeing we have work to do as far as trying to restore some of these things. And so this program uh, that the, you know, the transportation secretary is trying to implement is trying to go back and say, okay, the federal government was part of, you know, ripping apart black neighborhoods, which in effect killed black mm -hmm. businesses which in effect has an impact on the families that, were, that was running those businesses. So that has a real world ripple effect when you're talking, it's not just a highway down the middle of a neighborhood. You're killing the right. economic viability of that neighborhood too, which in turn hurts the people who live there. And so, my last comment on that, uh, because I know we're going to go to the next story, but just mm -hmm. for you naysayers out there who may not understand what's going on here, think about it. If you live in a city that doesn't have you know, good roads, good bridges, the infrastructure is terrible, businesses do not want to develop in your community. Um, if you're in a neighborhood where there's a lot of crime, the water isn't running properly, there's bad air quality, you're not going to have investment. You're not going to have people to come in and you know build subdivisions. You're not going to have come in and you know build apartments and, and build companies and stuff like that. So this is what we're talking about. This is like that that de-investment that Devin was mentioning, that's how it happens because you have people in the business community who see that they can't, you know, they can't transport their goods easily in that community. They can't have good commerce in that community. They're not going to go and invest in that community. So I guess I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of people don't understand how these things with, you know, de-investment in community and infrastructure go hand in hand. Absolutely. And, and lastly, just to add to that, like when you think about it, we've used infrastructure to divide up black and white people for decades. Like we always mm -hmm. talk about don't go on that side of the tracks or don't go on, that <laughs> side, you know, on this side of the highway. Like we've used these infrastructure barriers to divide up neighborhoods, you know, like that's, you know, the, the highway is how you divide up the good neighborhood <laughs> from the black neighborhood or the, the white neighborhood from the black neighborhood. We've done I, this. You, you had it right plenty. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, like that's, but that we have used these infrastructure 
uh, designs and roads and highways and bridges and, and railways to divide up neighborhoods from each other and say, well, this is a good neighborhood and that's a bad one. You don't go on that side of the tracks. Like, so when we say racism in infrastructure and highway design and, and urban planning, this is what we're talking about. So this is not wokeification as uh, <laughs> Ron DeSantis is trying to say. I just really don't like him. I would digress. But I, that's one. I don't live in Florida, but should I ever live in Florida? I, I don't think I could ever live in Florida as long as he's governor. That's one person I no. just don't. Hey, that's dislike. why I won't live in Texas because of Greg <laughs> Abbott. You know, I, I'd be protesting every day. I, I, hey, I completely understand, but we'll move out for Florida and Ron DeSantis and go to our next story here. We're going to go to Akron, Ohio, where after a hail of more than 90 bullets fired by police, uh, Jalen Walker was killed early Monday. And it sounds like a they, some people were describing that it sounded like a whole brick of fireworks going off. So apparently Akron police shot Jalen Walker at least 60 times, according to his attorney as they were describing the body camera footage. So the attorney for Walker's family told the Beacon Journal Friday night that he's worried about how people will react to the brutal police body camera video, which shows a 25-year-old black man running away from police officers. One pastor even spoke out against it and said his body was riddled from his face down to his knees, uh, and they shot him on the ground. The first shots occurred to his back, Pound said, and as he turns, they lit him up end quote so uh obviously adrian shooting anybody 60 times is excessive but let alone finding 90 bullets in a person or finding 90 bullets that had been fired by police officers to one person i don't know if he was armed it doesn't say in here but even if he was i mean it just seems extremely excessive and not entirely out of the norm with how you know black people are treated at the hands of the police yeah, I mean, I, of course, this is an ongoing you know, investigation. There's going to be a mm-hmm. lot more reports coming out. But just on the onside, the initial, you know, just reading of it, I, I mean, I, I just don't know how to justify that many rounds being shot at someone, even if they were armed. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like our cops are trained to be able to, um, you know, shoot in the proper places to disarm or to kill. I mean, they, they know that kind of stuff without having to shoot, you know, 90 bullets. Uh, it's, it's, this sounds like some, some, like some sort of mob shootout or whatever between some people and not like an actual uh, strategic, you know, uh, uh, strategic movement from our police officers. Um, but yeah, this is, and when you, when you have the fact that, you know, camera footage shows him running away from officers, it's mm-hmm. really, really going to be a, a tough, tough time for them to explain why they shot so much. Uh, if, like I said, I don't know if he was armed, all that kind of stuff, but listeners, we, we just wanted to kind of, you know, give you some insight on this story because, you know, we, we keep seeing, you know, people that look like you and us or you and me or you Devin and me or whatever, um, who keep getting shot and killed and stuff like this. And, you know, we're just, we're just wanting some, some change, you know, that's, that's all we're asking for. Yeah. And, and to add to that, like, understand too, like th- there is no good number of, of times we, we would like to see him shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want people to listen to it and be like, well, would you be okay if they shot him 10 times or five times? Like, we don't want him shot any times. We don't want him dead. Um, that's the whole point of when you interact with the police. It should it should not, if you're not armed or if you 
have something, you're not like actively shooting at the police, you shouldn't end up dead. I understand the police have an extremely hard job, but we just got to find different ways of dealing with these interactions. And it can't be shooting somebody 60 times or 10 times and killing them. Uh, there has to be a different way, whether that's different, you know, better training, different training, or just a whole uh, mind shift as far as mindset shift, as far as how we deal with, uh, you know, people in these interactions. But um, yeah, I just want to make sure we point that out. Cause like, there's no good, number of <laughs> no, no. there's there's definitely not a good number at all uh so i'm glad you brought that up um but you know we wanted to talk about that and we're gonna you know round off our third uh, excuse me round off our first segment with our third story here uh and i, I guess i didn't uh proofread i didn't know we were going to be going to texas or i would have waited to hold my greg abbott comments until then uh, but <laughs> it's all good there's plenty <laughs> to talk about with him <laughs> that's right this is about a Texas uh, education proposal here that sounds very uh, crazy. Um, it's, we're in this whole debate about culture and racism and slavery, but, you know, Texas educators don't want that to be taught. Uh, this is about a working group of Texas educators who want to omit the word slavery from second grade social studies instructions and instead use the phrase involuntary relocation. <laughs> wow. Okay. According to the Texas Tribune, the group of nine educators submitted a proposal to the Texas State Board of Education asking it to consider the phrasing as part of its once a decade update to the social studies curriculum for the state's nearly 18, excuse me, for the state's nearly 9,000 public schools. Board members do not believe the phrase is a good idea because involuntary relocation is not an accurate description of the U.S. slave trade. The board sent the proposal back to the educators, asking them to carefully examine the language used to describe events. You know, I'm glad that the board, you know, pushed back on this. I'm, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I don't know much about the Texas Board of Education, but I am super glad that they pushed back on this because involuntary relocation does not at all speak to the gravity of the situation of the slave trade. I think just, I mean, yes, it was involuntary. Um, and at least they, they, they give that to me some recognition, but the whole idea that it was just some sort of relocation, like we just picked you up and moved you and, and it wasn't anything else involved in it. That's bogus. And uh, it doesn't really get to the whole brevity of what actually happened through the slave trade. So, they, they need to definitely do more than carefully examine the language. They need to carefully examine themselves and what they feel about racism in America. Exactly. And, and I think it's so funny how people take issue with the term slavery as if that's not the history. You know, and this is goes back to the conversation we had last year when you talk about um, the bills that were being passed to try to get rid of critical race theory and stamp it out in any form in our public education system, that was really part of a larger movement to sort of sanitize the textbooks and change the language to soften it when we come to talk about some of the not so good things about American history. We want to soften that up. We don't want to say safe slavery. We want to say involuntary relocation. You know, this is really a PR game here because we don't there are some, a lot of people in this country who just take issue with the history of the country. It's not made up. They just don't like the way we talk about it and that we're trying to hold the country accountable. So they're trying to sanitize their own history, really, and change it and, and change the wording to where it doesn't seem like we uh, 
these things happened or that they were as nearly as bad. Um, and that way people should stop talking about it. Um, so, I mean, involuntary relocation, <laughs> it's a reach. Obviously, it's a PR game and it's ridiculous that they're even trying to change it. But I think it just goes to show you um, we have a long way to go as far as having a large segment of this country come to terms with the fact that slavery happened and the government was okay with it. There were plenty of white people who were okay with it. And it was not that long ago (laughs) that it was part of the American economy. So we just have to come to terms with it. It happened and we have to deal with it. And no black people are not going to stop talking about it as long as the scars remain and nothing happens to fix it or to restore and make us whole as far as what was taken away from us. So the absolutely. conversation. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that's, that's, I like that. That's a, that's a great way to end this segment. Uh, listeners, just been a fun uh, first segment uh, for weekly roundup number two. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion so far. When we come back from our break, we're going to get into our second segment where we're going to give you some updates on other news that's going on around the country. So make sure you stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are our foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work toward progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using our handle at BlackAgendaPod. Again, at BlackAgendaPod. Now, time to get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into our second segment here. Our first little update is going to be with Ice Cube and the NFL. Actor, rapper, filmmaker Ice Cube is teaming up with the NFL for a partnership to tackle racial economic inequality. His partnership, remember, he's got the contract with Black America and he's partnering with the NFL to expand this. They're going to focus on identifying lead wide opportunities in the financial tech and production sectors with a concentration on increasing spending to black businesses nationwide to help close America's racial and economic wealth gap. Great, great stuff. Another thing that's not so great is with the Supreme Court, they're going to be hearing a case that could hinder voting rights nationwide. The U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday agreed to hear a Republican-backed appeal that would give state legislatures far more power over federal elections by limiting the ability of state courts to review their actions, taking up a North Carolina case that could have broad implications for the 2024 elections and beyond. You know, Devin, there's been a lot of Supreme Court stuff going on. You know, after Roe v. Wade, everyone's starting to pay more attention to the Supreme Court. So I expect that, you know, a lot of cases out of the Supreme Court are going to get a lot more national scrutiny because of that. Oh, most definitely. I mean, some people would say that the Supreme Court has a legitimacy issue um, or problem. And if they should hand down a, a decision like they could next summer, or in 2024, or 2023, sorry, um, they're going to have an even bigger problem. So hopefully they won't go that far and also hinder voting rights as well. But who knows with this court being, what, basically six to, six to three conservative to liberal, um, anything is possible at this point. So <laughs> we'll just keep our eyes and ears open. But also continue with some more updates. So We talked about Texas a little bit and the Texas Board of Education, but they have a senator named John Cornyn, who I'm not quite sure what he was trying to 
accomplish here. But Texas Senator John Cornyn responded to a tweet by former President Barack Obama that denounced the Roe decision. And so John Cornyn, who is an avid abortionist, responded to President Obama's tweet with, quote, now do Plessy versus Fort Ferguson slash Brown versus Board of Education. So some people believe he was suggesting that this uh, Supreme Court reverse the Brown v. Board decision of education, um, which ruled that segregated schools needed to integrate. Other people believe he was referring to Plessy versus Ferguson establishing precedent only to be overturned by Brown half a century later. So not sure what John Corner was trying to accomplish there, but nonetheless, he, he tweeted it. Um, and the next update here is good news, which is that Katanji Brown Jackson has officially been sworn in as a Supreme Court justice. And this happened on Thursday, making her the first black woman on the nation's highest court. Uh, again, she is a former public defender and a federal appeals, appeals court judge. And she was sworn in during a small ceremony shortly after Justice Stephen, Stephen Breyer's retirement became official. So... There you go, Adrian. Kind of the country moving in two different directions. We get our first black woman on the Supreme Court, but then we also have Senator John Cornyn questioning whether uh, Plessy v. Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education should be reexamined. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably the most 2022 thing you could have right there <laughs> with those two stories. <laughs> I, I, I could say when I saw uh, John Cornyn again, Texas, you know, yeah, you got Cornyn and you got Cruz, man. Y'all and you got Abbott. You got some insane <laughs> bad people leading Texas here. But whenever I saw that, I was like, I just don't know where he's going. Because yeah. who in their right mind would think that schools shouldn't be integrated? Um, you know, or that that should be a state's issue. I mean, that's you know, that's basic. And good job for uh, Justice Kentucky Brown Jackson. Though I- I'm glad to see her on there. Man, we're gonna need some more liberals or some moderates. I mean, even I mean, that that six three split is terrible for us, and it's gonna be terrible for decades. But uh, another little update we want to talk about. Take us back to Florida. It is now illegal in Florida to play music that can be heard 25 feet or more from a vehicle. I said illegal. The new law went into effect on July 1st. And officers can conduct a traffic stop, then write a $114 ticket. According to WSVN, two loud sounds from vehicles near venues like churches, hospitals, and schools are also illegal, but the 25 rule is not applicable. On social media, people are calling the law a targeting tactic by law enforcement. Definitely, um, because most minorities... um, Listen, I mean, anybody who likes music listens to their music loudly. I mean, mm-hmm. even white people I know listen to their music loudly, but I definitely feel like this is a more minority tar- targeted thing because we, we definitely enjoy our, our music. And when it comes to our vehicles, we're usually the populations that have the best or the better sound systems. We really invest in the speakers and stuff like that. So uh, I feel like it's just going to be one of those things where it turns into, oh, you got weed in the car or you got, you know, like, it's, you know, <laughs> more reason for interaction that we don't need. <laughs> we should not be passing laws to increase interaction with the police. We should be passing laws to decrease interaction with the police because we understand how deadly they can end up. So this is just one more uh, silly law that they're passing in Florida. Again, under Ron DeSantis. So be careful out there if you listen to your music in Florida because that could be reason enough for them to stop you right, right. Make a break a moment for you. It could be. It, it really, honestly, it could be. 
but we'll wrap up this segment here with um, a last story here. So I don't want to say her name right. I think it's because Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, who is the former longtime confidant and girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein. She was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison on Tuesday for carrying out a years long scheme with Jeffrey Epstein to groom and sexually abuse underage girls. And so she did acknowledge that she had been convicted in the sex trafficking scheme, but she stopped short of taking responsibility responsibility for it, saying, quote, I'm sorry for the pain that you've experienced. I hope my conviction brings you closure. So we had a couple big convictions this week, Adrian. One was uh, Miss Maxwell here, but also R. Kelly, I think, received a 30-year sentence um, for what he did. So I guess, you know, justice is being brought to a couple of people who, in my opinion, definitely deserve it. I agree uh, because they did some awful things. I've been watching the show on Netflix, Greenleaf. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some sexual. It is really good. It's high. It's intense. There's some sexual abuse in that. And it, it saddens me that anyone um, in such a position of power would do something like that, particularly when they're so wealthy. I'm just like, R. Mm-hmm. Kelly, you could have had anybody. I mean, not that I like water sports, but you could have got a consenting adult who didn't mind doing water sports and you would have been within right to do whatever right. you wanted to do. That's true. <laughs> but, and yeah, so as a, as a bunch to unpack there, listeners, but we just wanted to make sure to give you some updates there. Uh, and we're going to wrap up this segment like Devin said. We like this new quick flow of our second segment where uh, it gives us more time to actually discuss things in the first segment. So uh, leave us some comments. We want to know what you think about our new format for this season. I know it's only the second time that it's been introduced to you, but never too soon to get some feedback so that we can update this process throughout the season. So make sure you do that for us. Um, we're going to take our break, so stick with us. We'll be right back. into our quick hits which is the fun part of the show uh so our first story here features florida man as you know he's in just about every show we have when we talk about quick hits and so another florida man who is looking for a security job at walt disney world has been accused of stealing a character statue from the park in may so his name is david emerson proudfoot man that last name uh, he was arrested and is facing third-degree grand theft charges and obstruction by false information after he allegedly stole a Disney name tag, or he donned a Disney name tag and attempted to steal a Star Wars R2-D2 statue, which was worth up to $10,000. The man said he actually he actually applied for the, the Disney World security job and wanted to move the items to point out security lapses in hopes of getting a better paying position. So all this was just to get a a pay bump. And he allegedly told police it wasn't his goal to actually take these things from Disney World. But when they went to search his home, they found thousands of dollars worth of items that he had actually stolen from the park. So he was stealing things from Disney World. Or maybe he was stealing that to collect it and say, you have security lapses. You should give me a better paying job. Um, but I don't know, Adrian, I mean, there, there are many ways to try to get a raise or, you know, a, a salary increase, but selling things from your job may not be on the list. No, that is never on the list to, uh, 
Um, even if you feel you deserve it, you can't just go in there and say, I'm going to take it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I want you to pay me more after I stole right. it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, you just, and, and, and the other thing is you're going against Disney World. You, I mean, you, you know, they've got a team of lawyers just ready to pounce on stuff like this. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how this story ends, but I would imagine they probably, was this guy let go? I mean, he, he did steal some stuff, so. <laughs> Almost positive he was fired. <laughs> right. right, so he pretty he pretty much got the opposite effect of, he wanted more money. Now he's going to be getting a lot less money. Um, so, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a lesson to, to you listeners. If, you, if you're at your job and you feel a little disgruntled, you know, don't don't do like what some people do and go shoot up the place or steal or nothing like that. <laughs> Just, you know, have a conversation, you know, with your boss. Maybe go watch some videos about salary negotiations or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 just go talk. You know, talk it out. Don't don't shoot it out, steal it out, don't do nothing like that. Just talk it out, you know. I was talking to somebody, an uh, old school guy the other day. He's like, "Nobody wants to talk it out anymore. Everybody wants to do other stuff." But um, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. And I was just going to, I can't, they didn't say in the story whether he was fired or not, but I would have to assume, uh, homeboy was probably let go. Oh yeah. I mean, you stole, um, you know, $10,000 R2D2 statue. So you can't, <laughs> or you can do, he's probably going to sell it on eBay. Probably going to make a lot Hold more than $10,000. Right. <laughs> so. Let's go to another story here. This is about Putin. So apparently um, Putin did like a photo shoot or I don't know if it was a photo shoot, but he was seen um, horsebacking uh, in the mountains, topless. Uh, He didn't have a shirt on. Um, I guess when you say topless, it makes it sound more, uh, you know, scandalous. But, you know, I guess for a man, topless just means shirtless. So it doesn't doesn't sound too bad but um he's shooting back at western leaders because uh at the g7 you know people like you know uh canadian prime minister and boris johnson threw some jokes at putin or whatever saying that you know they should just take off their clothes and do some pictures or whatever but putin shot back at western leaders who mocked him for his pictures and said that western leaders are quote disgusting <laughs> uh he said <laughs> Which, which is good. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I've seen Boris Johnson with the shirt off, but from his suit Not body, fine. I don't think I would want to see him with the shirt off either. So uh, <laughs> speaking to reporters, Putin retorted that unlike him, Western leaders abuse alcohol and don't do sports. He also said, quote, I don't know how they wanted to get undressed above or below the waist, he said, but I, <laughs> but I think it would be a disgusting sight in any case. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Putin says he's packing below. Um, I don't know. But anyway, um, again, I, I don't know about. <laughs> maybe I don't know. He's I guess he's trying to throw some hits out there. Um, but again, you know, I, thinking about Western leaders, I don't think I want to see Biden topless either. You know, <laughs> topless Joe Biden, <laughs> topless Uncle Joe. <laughs> Add that to the list of things we never asked for. It's we don't a- want to see it. Nobody wants. No. Um, no. Putin can he can hold that core. He yes, he may be. I wouldn't say the best looking world leader, but uh, 
he just he just needs to focus on the battlefield because that's where he's getting embarrassed. That's the disgusting side, <laughs> for real. <laughs> if you want to you want to talk about a disgusting sight, let's just talk about what's happening in Ukraine, not what your body looks like. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but we'll move to our next story here. We're gonna go all the way up to Rhode Island, where Dunkin' Donuts said it accidentally offered free coffee to white residents only. So a Dunkin' location in Cranston, Rhode Island, wanted to celebrate its 30th anniversary on Wednesday by offering free coffee for a year to the first 100 guests. However, I'm in the social media world, so I can understand how this happens. But however, a Facebook post announcing the event suggested it. It was limited to white Cranston, Rhode Island residents. And this is according to Embassy Providence affiliate WJR-TV. So, uh... Chester, so someone from the Dunkin' Donuts said that the Facebook post for the Cranston store was copied from a post announcing a similar coffee giveaway in White Plains, New York. So whoever performed this copy and paste, when they pasted it, they deleted the word Plains, but accidentally left in the word White. So in any case, dozens of, I guess, white people lined up at the Cranston location hoping to get a year of free coffee. But there was one person, a black person, uh, Shelly Ramsey, who was a black woman and a regular at the store, said that she was shocked to find out about the post. But she believed it was an accident and said, quote, it's too racially diverse in there. It's just not that's just not how things roll End quote. So I don't know, Adrian. I mean, it's a, (laughs) you know, innocent mistake. I guess it happens. But. I'm just curious for all the white people who showed up in line. Did you not think there was something wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you, you know, white feel privilege. a little different? Like, <laughs> they just was like, like, hey, uh, you know, probably if you were a white American and you send all these other handouts for minority groups, you're like, finally, you know, we get something. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really? much, but it's some coffee. <laughs> you're like, whew, all right, return to normal. That's right. Uh, John Cornyn. But yeah, here's something else you might like. In case you're not a coffee drinker, um, here's a new popsicle treat for you um, that you might enjoy. Um, For the summer, the condiment company French's has announced a limited edition treat to celebrate beach season. Quote, French's ketchup will debut the French circle. It's a new limited edition French, excuse me, a new limited edition ketchup flavored popsicle to celebrate the first week of summer, French said in a press release. And again, it's a limited edition ketchup flavored popsicle. It sounds really, really gross. Um, the frozen tomato based treats are only available at pop up locations in Canada. But if you're aching for a taste, don't fret. French's did provide a simple recipe for French circles on its website. Reaction to the limited edition treat on the web ranged from sarcasm to shock to delight and curiosity. Someone even tweeted, add vodka, celery, and some pepper, and I'm in. Talking about a Bloody Mary, you know, because ketchup. But, you know, I, I like ketchup, Devin. I'm a fries. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll eat it on something. But I'm not going to just pop some ketchup into my mouth, you know. I'm not, that's what I feel like I'm doing with that ketchup <laughs> popsicle. I, I might as well just go to the fridge and just open my mouth and pour some hunts of some pinches ketchup in my mouth. Yeah, basically, that might even be better. <laughs> Eat it right. by the spoon. Like, just make a bowl of uh, ketchup. 
I mean, I mean, the <laughs> only thing I can see here is that, you know, I'm listeners. I'm in uh, Dallas with Devin right now. Uh, and it's like 102 degrees every day. And like if someone offered me a ketchup flavored popsicle while I was walking around Dallas, I would probably take it because it's, it's real hot. You're better than me. Ah, they have to keep it. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm okay. You can keep that. I'll risk, I'll risk heat exhaustion before I eat a, a, fr- a ketchup popsicle. That sounds <laughs> disgusting. Sorry. <laughs> What's that next? Mustard? So like, yeah, like we're we'll just gonna go down the line. We're gonna have a ranch sickle yeah, we'll, and uh, Caesar sickle. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, black folks would like that ranch sickle. You know that because heat it up. I, <laughs> <laughs> it was, that would sell out in a hot minute. Oh man! But we'll move on from um, French sickles. So I don't know. Maybe coming to a store near you in 2023. We'll see. Depends on how it does in Canada. Uh, But we'll go from French sickles to some snake bites in Germany, where police in Germany said on Sunday that they discovered more than 110 dangerous snakes on a farm after a woman who lived there sought medical treatment for a poisonous bite. And so the 35-year-old woman actually had to drive to the hospital early Sunday, and she told doctors that that one of her rattlesnakes bit her finger. And so while the woman's condition deteriorated and authorities hastily ordered an antidote from a specialist in Hamburg, Germany, police visited the farm while she was in the hospital. And that is where they found dozens of snakes. And so in their report, police said specialists determined the snake collection included both constrictors and poisonous varieties, which weren't housed in appropriate terrariums. And so all the reptiles were eventually impounded. Um, But, you know, Adrian, we've had some stories here about people hoarding animals. We've, you know, I think there was a story about somebody in Connecticut who had like a house full of rats or something to that effect. And they had to condemn the house basically because the smell was just awful. But I hate snakes. And so I'm not sure like why anybody would want a farm with 110 snakes on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know either, Devin. I mean, it's what, I mean, maybe if you lived in Australia, I know like a lot of people in the outback, they like to have a lot of pets and stuff like that. But right, <laughs> I, but still, I mean, 110 snakes. I'm like, e- even one snake is enough. I mean, you got rattlesnakes. I mean, you, you got like poisonous snakes here. I mean, constrictors. I mean, come on, like. I, I'm not shaming anybody for your pet selection because I mean I like dogs and cats and some people may think that's weird but um, I, I definitely think there's enough people in my corner to say having 110 snakes is weird or weirder <laughs> than having a dog or a cat so right. I'll leave it at that one. Um, this is also weird. Um, you can look for love in all you know different places, find it in many many different faces, but. One phase that you should not find love in is in the phase of a rag doll. Um, but this lady, um, Marivan Roche Morales, I don't really care if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, she's 37. She complained um, that she was single and she wanted to dance with someone. So she got her needle and thread and she created Marcel, her rag doll uh, boyfriend husband. She said they fell in love and she even became pregnant. Uh, she claimed that she gained four pounds during her pregnancy. Not wanting to give birth out of wedlock, she arranged a wedding in front of 250 family and friends before she and Marcel went on honeymoon in Rio de Janeiro. 
She says she gave birth to the new ragdoll baby in about a 35-minute labor delivery uh, at home with the doctor and nurse present. She said it was pain-free. It was live stream uh, for 200 people were actually watching it. Um, she says Marcel is a great and faithful husband. He is such a man that all women envy. Um <laughs> Let's say you can't say it, uh, listeners, but Devin's cracking up. I, I was just trying to make sure I didn't crack up too much while I was reading it. Um, and I also had to go to the story to make sure this was like factual because we don't like to promote fake news. I saw it like on Yahoo, MSNBC, I saw it on a couple different <laughs> credible outlets. So a story like this is so outlandish that anybody would pick it up just to give people a, a, a good laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, she's very talented, very imaginative, very imaginative, um, detail oriented, you know, <laughs> she, um, Hey, a 35 minute delivery. I mean, <laughs> any mom would love that. I mean, is that how long it took her to make the new ragdoll? That's <laughs> <laughs> probably how long it took her. I mean, because she's good. I mean, if she could do needle and thread and create a whole person, she could probably do a baby in, you know, like under an hour. So Yeah, that's 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 what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's, <where laughs> that's how it long really it took just... her to stitch up the baby. Yeah, that, that was the labor. <laughs> I'm just imagining you got the lights and she's laying on the bed. With her legs up, you know, getting ready to push out a new, a new rag doll. But that's where, like, come on, it's just stupid labor. I'm just like, are you sitting there? Is she actually pushing? And then whoever the doctor is, just like, just goes that and reaches for rag the rag doll. doll. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, put here. gloves on. You got your all your PPE on. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's no umbilical wow. cord, I guess, you know, because it's ragdoll. You know, hey, it's probably and, got... and, and kudos to her for not wanting to be a, a statistic. She made sure she did not give or not have a child out of wedlock. She arranged a wedding uh, in front of 250 family and friends. So, hey, she did it the right way, I guess. You know, if most people knew that they were going to have a ragdoll for a baby, they might would abort it. But she didn't even cave into that either. She nope. just she, she stuck with it. Congratulations. She put on four pounds of pregnancy weight, so she should be able to knock that off really. Man, she had quite, you know, a pretty smooth experience with pregnancy. Man. <laughs> wow. All right, listen. I'm sure a lot of American moms would would love that. You know, 25, 35 minute delivery. She did it at home, so she didn't pay thousands of dollars to have the baby. (laughs) Um, It's live streamed. Had a nurse and a doctor at the house just waiting, pain free. Didn't have to have any drug administered to it. Jeez, that's that's perfect. (laughs) But we will uh, leave the happy family. There with Marcelo and Mary V. Mary Vine, uh, congratulations! We're happy for her, and hopefully the new baby is uh, doing healthy, doing good, healthy, yes, healthy and happy. <laughs> like healthy, happy, and hemmed up well. They exactly no <laughs> no strings, no loose strings, no holes, no nothing like that, no no issues. But we'll leave the happy family and congratulations to them. Uh, but listen, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. So that's it for our weekly roundup number two. Um, <clears throat> so 
Um, so this that's it. So that's it for weekly roundup number two. Uh, we'll be back as always next Saturday, July 9th for weekly roundup number three. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, don't forget that our next interview with the guest uh, is going to be coming up this month. So in about a week or two, we'll put out the information for that. But the theme this month is going to be fatherlessness in single parent homes. So make sure you tune in for that as we dig into and examine the black family uh, with another great guest. So you have that to look forward to. You have next Saturday, July 9th, we- weekly roundup number three to look forward to that as well. You can also look forward to donating to us and Age is going to let you know how you can do that. Absolutely, listeners. We always love when you donate and give to us because it means you believe in our mission and you believe in helping us to spread that mission even further. So what you got to do to give to us, we have our patron account. All you got to do is go to that. It's patron, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Again, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patron.com slash Black Agenda Pod. So all you got to do, go to patron.com slash Black Agenda Pod. You'll be able to give to us on a monthly recurring basis, different levels for you where you can feel like a community advocate, community leader and organizer. Uh, and you can even get some merchandise from us. So again, that's patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Black Agenda Pod. And in case you didn't get it out of the three times I said it, we're going to be promoting it throughout our social media. And there will even be a link that you can click on and the timestamps. The other thing we like to do is our charity of the month where remember July is about single parent homes and fatherlessness. So we chose the organization, the single parent project. They specifically help working single parents who make too much for government assistance, but not enough to thrive. They offer financial assistance for day-to-day expenses like utilities, mortgage, gas, groceries, childcare, car repairs. Once they offer those financial assistances, they also offer a variety of resources to help single parents better their financial, personal, and emotional well-being. Again, that's the single parent project to kind of highlight July as fatherlessness and single parent month. So cool, cool there, Devin, some nice stuff happening. Most definitely. So it's going to be a great uh, interview with our guests about uh, the black family and single parent homes. But before we get out of here, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at black agenda potters, our handle. And also make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We would love and appreciate that. So make sure you check that out. Leave us a review. Find us on Black Agenda uh, on social media at blackagendapod.com. But also <clears throat> you can go to blackagendapod.com to read our journalist articles. Those will be coming to you soon. So don't forget to check that out. So for me and Adrian, we appreciate you sticking with us. This has been weekly roundup number two. We'll be back next Saturday, July 9th for weekly roundup number three. So until then, we'll catch you next time. 